Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. The final decades of the 20th century, moving into the 21st century, saw a transformation on the face of the United States. This is sort of the becoming more permanent of a trend that had already been in place for several decades. This would be the removal of religion uh, or the expression of Christianity in the public sphere. And some of the most more notable events had to do with the removal of displays of the Ten Commandments in public places, in court buildings, etc. Originally from classrooms, then from other uh, public locations where they still managed to remain, and these were eventually removed. And a lot of Christians may have felt a disappointment, grief uh, at this kind of phenomenon. It's a removal of the Bible from the public sphere. And yet our commitment and loyalty to the display of the Ten Commandments in, the, in public locations uh, may display somewhat a lack of understanding of what true spirituality is. On the one hand, it is necessary for humanity to have God's perfect standard before them, to know that there is such a thing as sin, there is righteousness, Wrong is wrong, right is right, it is wrong to steal, to commit murder, to commit adultery, to bear false witness, and so on. Idolatry is wrong, there is only one true God, and we should worship Him alone, and we should love Him with all our heart, soul, and strength, because He alone is God. All of these are true. But a commitment to the display of laws and commandments What it doesn't acknowledge is our own inherent inability to be good. All of us are born in sin. It is that David confesses in Psalm 51 that from conception, I am a sinner. This is the nature that has been passed on to me by our, to each one of us, by our first parents when they disobeyed God and became mortal. Their death was not only a physical death, but also a spiritual death. And that spiritual death is not only separation from God and fellowship with God, being able to have communion with God, conversation with God, being in God's family. All of that was lost. And also is the presence in our body and in our soul of sinful, negative, anti-God tendencies. This is also part of our death that the Apostle Paul can speak of death is working in our members. So when we come to the latter part of the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul really addresses the question of how is righteous conduct attained and achieved in our life? The major controversy being addressed in the book is really the, the argument for adding legal regulations to faith and his own rejection of it, because that is not the gospel. The 
the good news of God is our acceptance solely by virtue of what Christ has done. What we often miss in regard to the gospel, that the good news of salvation does not end with merely forgiveness. The gospel is not simply that Jesus shed his blood and died for you and bore your penalty, and therefore now you can be forgiven no matter what you do. This is not how this, the, the message of the good news of salvation is articulated. It's not how it comes to us. It is that we should flee from sin, that we are all under the wrath of God for our sinfulness and our rebellion against him. Our thoughts, our words, our deeds are constantly provocative before God because it goes against the perfect and righteous character of God. And we, by our deeds and practice, have become vile. And God has a solution to this problem, and it is a twofold solution, or one we might even say a three-part solution. One is really to simply forgive us because of what Christ has done in our stead. <clears throat> Jesus became our substitute. He died bearing our guilt and its penalty, and he bore it away completely, totally. And he has, therefore, taken away our guilt, our debt, and is able to impute to us and impart to us his righteousness. This is the first part of the solution. I am accepted in Christ. My sins are forgiven. But the second part of the solution is one that most Christians ignore. God comes into our life when we turn to him through faith in Christ. He comes to our life through the gift of his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to us, takes residence in us, keeps us company, and thereby enables us to live a life that is pleasing to God. That still calls for our yielding to the Spirit, our reckoning ourselves to be dead in regard to sin, seeing ourselves crucified with the Lord Jesus when he died on the cross. But this capacity Enablement to live out the new life is available to every Christian. It's not just the domain of super spiritual Christians. It is not only something offered to people we might hold in high esteem like the late Billy Graham. It is available to every single believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. My fault and your fault often is that we either are oblivious to it, we are blind to it, no one has taught us about this, or we do not see the importance and the necessity of it and the goodness of it and the blessing of it and come to God seeking the working of his spirit in our life and yield ourselves to him. When we come to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says it this way, But I say, walk, in the, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The solution to the problem of sin and even temptations in the life of a Christian is to walk by the spirit. When the Apostle Paul in the New Testament speaks about spirit versus flesh, it is not talking about the two parts of our body. 
There are many who think about, you know, the flesh is bad, the body is somehow bad, but the spirit is good. We should nurture the spirit and kind of mortify the flesh. And mortifying the flesh is sort of denying the body its desires. So desires are bad and we should kind of uh, live a life of self-denial sort of to cultivate the spirit to become more spiritual. I myself thought about these things in along these categories one at one point until I studied the Bible. And I found out that when the Bible is talking about the spirit as opposed to the flesh, it is not talking about my spirit and my flesh or my body. It is talking about God's spirit. And the flesh is really all of me in its bondage and subjection to sin. So the flesh is really what is left of the old nature. It is really my inclinations to do what is wrong acquired by birth and remains as habit kind of worked into my system when anatomically, physiologically kind of wired into the patterns of the brain. And these things uh, need to be unlearned and these things need to be corrected and habit-wise, new habits established by yielding to God's truth and empowerment. The sheer capacity to do what is right acquired supernaturally. To acquire it supernaturally, I don't need to go on some pilgrimage or accomplish some spiritual feat. It has already been granted to me. The Spirit of God indwells everyone who belongs to Christ. If you say you don't have the Spirit of God, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, then no, you don't belong to Christ. If anyone doesn't have the Spirit, they don't belong to Christ, which means if you belong to Christ, you have already been given the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 would say, having believed, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Everyone who belongs to God by faith in Christ as being born again through faith in the Lord Jesus as Savior God has put a mark on them, and the mark on them is the Holy Spirit himself. God himself, in the person of God's Spirit, has come to be with us and is now the mark on those who belong to Christ of belonging. It's a seal of ownership or belonging to God, and that seal is the Spirit itself. The Spirit is in the life, in the living, in the being of everyone who is Christ's. And our calling then is to walk by the Spirit. And this is supposed to be a conscious exercise. It is not apart from the Word of God. The Word of God needs to inform us about what is bad and what is good, what is approved by God and what is not approved by God. The Spirit also gives us sensibilities of this. I know, for example, of people who, who um, came to Christ and all of a sudden, very dramatically, they realized that some of the things they were doing was not right. It was an internal sense produced by God's Spirit. These may have to do with established habits of behavior uh, of, of various sorts. They found that they could not do this anymore, that it, it brings a sense of guilt. And, and here he says that the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. There is this opposition between sin and God's desire, as it is worked in our consciousness by the Spirit of God. These are set in opposition to each other so that we may not freely sin. That a child of God does not practice, cannot keep on sinning with, uh, without any conscience being affected, his or her conscience being affected. 
So a sensitivity to the Spirit of God is, is needed in our life. And being informed by God's Word about the truth, we should align our thinking and choices and desires to please God. So the Ten Commandments are helpful. It tells us that adultery is wrong. It tells us that theft is wrong. It tells us that um, taking the Lord's name in vain is wrong. It tells us that false testimony is wrong. And the Spirit also can give us these sensitivities uh, in our life. But as we study God's Word, often it's the, the, the knowledge of the divine standard that informs our mind and understanding that also affects our sensibilities about these things. But the, the method then of pleasing God is to walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Consciously, I must yield myself to God's Spirit, that the things that I practice and do day by day, from morning to evening, are things approved by God. The Spirit should be given control of my choices. I must test my behavior, options, and situations before God in the light of his truth and then yield to God's spirit for God to do what is right through me. And so when we sense a conflict between the flesh and the spirit, we should consciously resist sin, put to death, he will say, the impulses of sin and yield ourselves to the spirit. Now, the, the, the weakness of the law is that the commandments themselves do not give us the capacity to do what is right. The Ten Commandments do not, they tell me that I'm wrong if I steal. It doesn't empower me to overcome the impulse of wanting to steal. It just gives me guilt. What God gives me through His Spirit is not only the freedom from guilt by the practice of righteousness, but also the enablement, the ability, capacity, freedom to do what is right. So the gospel comes to us not only in word, but also in power and the Holy Spirit. And once you receive Christ, the Spirit comes into your life, giving you the grace, enablement, and capacity to live a life that is pleasing to God. And that is the goal of salvation, to live righteously. And that also brings us joy and gives us satisfaction in life and makes us a blessing to other people. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.